Life can be a challenge, a race, a journey, a competition. It can be filled with struggles, battles, testing, and trials of all kinds. But you can endure, overcome, and succeed in whatever comes your way. God gives us all that we need to live a successful life when we focus on Him and choose the path that He set out for us. He designed the pattern for us to live by. He shows us how to avoid the things that trip us up and can lead to dead ends. He encourages us to keep going and to be at peace as we press on. So forget the pain and troubles of the past. God forgives us when we fail, and He promises to meet all of our needs. You can go the distance when you set your eyes on the prize and discover how to win within. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here and a part of this service. Thank you for all of you who are joining us online. We're so grateful. I look forward to having you every single Sunday. So thank you and your family for gathering together in your living room or den or wherever it is and being a part of the service today. And for everyone who is in person on all four of our campuses, hey, God, you're here. I am so, so grateful that you are back and you are part in person of our services. Now, I will tell you, we set a goal at the 1st of June, and the goal was crazy. It was, could we reach 65% of our pre-COVID average attendance? We were going before COVID came, and God was blessing, and we were going and blowing, and now COVID sort of got in the way, but God has still used this time, We've got to get back. And we knew it would take a process. We knew it would take time. But we wanted to make progress every single month. And we had never even come close to 65% of where we were in attendance before COVID. Never even came close. So in the month of June, we set that as a goal. 65%. We're just trying to get everybody back. And I should have known better. It's June. People are on vacation. People are gone during the summer. And I should have taken that in account. At 65%, it was crazy to set a goal like that. But Sugar Creek is crazy good. Sugar Creek is absolutely amazing. So I will tell you, we did not hit 65%. We hit 67% last Sunday of our pre-COVID attendance. We were blown away by it. It meant 400 new people. 400 people came back that had not come back before last Sunday, and we were so excited. We could hardly believe it had happened. So yay, God, for that. We're just making progress little by little. And we're in a series going to the last part of the book of Philippians. Now we'll have gone through the entire book of Philippians this year. And through the last part of the book of Philippians, we're talking about how to win within. The truth is we can all win. We can have trophies and we can do winning things from time to time. But I'm talking about a winning life. I'm talking about living a life in which you are truly, day by day, winning this life. And that starts from inside of us, not outside. 
It starts by changing how we think. It is talking about how we, how we begin to process life in a new way. God is up to changing us from the inside out. And in the section that we're looking at in Proverbs, that is exactly what the Apostle Paul, the writer of Proverbs, was talking about. And this morning, we're in the last message in this book. We're in the last part of what he is saying to us about how it is we change the way we think and we live inside, and God begins to change how we live externally. Now, what happened is that a few weeks ago, uh, Kathy and I decided let's do a project in our home, and it meant that we needed to bring some vendors into our house to kind of give us, we picked three different companies, come in, show us how you can do this, and we will pick. Well, a few days ago, the third one came. And it was, uh, the representative from the company was a young guy, 25 to 30 years of age. And I'm gonna tell you, he was amazing. He absolutely, it was just amazing. Very talented guy and very articulate. And he was there and I was, I was really impressed with him. I asked him a ton of questions. I love to ask questions and find out how much they really know about the product. And I asked him a ton of questions. He knew the answer to everything. And we even, I even set up a few problem solving issues. How would you solve this? And I was amazed by the guy, bright, talented, he was a ve- he's a very gifted guy. So when the presentation was over, we didn't make a, ch- a decision yet which company we're gonna go with, but I told him, I am so impressed with you. I mean, you, are, you have such great articulation skills, such great thinking skills, I am very, very impressed with you. And he, he discovered, okay, we're not making the decision right now, so we said a few things, and then he got up and he was about to leave. But before he left here, he asked me, can I ask you a personal question? Never had anybody do that. That's, you know, it's a salesman. I said, sure you can. And he said, I, I just have a question. How does a guy like me one day be able to own my own home like you do? I was kind of amazed at the question. I said, well, I've never been asked that question before, but I'm gonna give it a shot. And I would say two things need to happen. First of all, you have to live under your means. Whatever your income is, you have to live below your income. There has to be some money every month that you save, that you put away into a savings. I said all of us spend money on things we don't really need. We spend money on stuff and then we put them in a drawer or in a closet, we don't even remember it. And I said there's so much buying that we do that's impulse and that we don't actually need. You've got to really get a handle on that for your own life, and you've got to make sure that every single month you put money away in savings and you don't touch it, and you learn how to invest those dollars. And then I said, second of all, I would say, you, you need to spend the money you're gonna spend in a way that the Bible teaches us to spend our money, remembering that there are people in need around you and that you help meet some of that need and that you treat every person in your life fairly. Now, what I said to him lasted maybe 60 seconds or 90 seconds. I I didn't preach a sermon, trust me on that. I know it's hard to believe, but yeah, it was a minute and a half at the most. And then I stopped and we were looking at each other eye to eye and he just looked at me for maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds and didn't say a word. 
Now, when you are just staring at another person for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, it's like it's an hour. You know what I'm saying? And then he sighed and said, okay, thank you very much. And he walked away. So obviously I did not give him the answers he was hoping for. That was pretty apparent. But I also thought that during those 10 seconds, he was probably thinking, what planet is this person from? But did you know that the advice I gave him actually is how Kathy and I have lived our whole marriage. It's how we've lived our life. We've underspent our income and we have really tried to live by the principles the Bible gives us and we believe that God has used that kind of response to bless us. Every single one of us want to be blessed by God. All of us want to be supernaturally impacted in our life by God. And sometimes that means that, oh God, God gives you a raise or, he, or God gives you maybe another job that pays you more or God intersects in some way and gives you money you were not expecting to have. There is a favor of God. There is a real live favor of God in which God actually intersects your life and does something in your life you were not expecting, you were not anticipating, and he uses your, you in a powerful way and he blesses you back. There is a blessing of God. And that is what I want to talk to you about today because we have arrived at Philippians chapter four and verse 19 and listen to how he puts it. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is a promise from God. My God will meet all your needs. Did you know that this is just one promise of 7,000 promises in the Bible? And did you know that of the 7,000 promises in the Bible, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that all the promises of God for a person who is a follower of Christ, all the promises of God are yes. I will do this. I will bless you. I am giving you all the promises that I have given. They are your promises. All the promises of God are yes. But did you know that for every promise that God has given to us, there is a condition to the promise? God doesn't just give us promises. He gives us conditions to the promise. And he says, if you will do this, what I am telling you to do now, if you will do this, I will then do this. So as we're looking for promises, we need to also be looking for the condition to the promise. And this morning, I want to talk to you about this last part of how to win within. And that is that winning, the principle of winning by giving. We would usually think it's winning by taking. But God says, no, I will make you win. I will do something supernaturally in your life. I will help you to win by giving. And this passage of scripture, that's the central theme of it. And the first principle that I want to say to you today is just simply this. God promises to meet our needs when we meet the needs of others. It's a condition to the promise. So listen to the passage. Philippians chapter 4 Verses 14 to 19. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. The person who is writing this is the apostle Paul. 
And Paul has been blessed by these people in this church that he planted in Philippi. And he is saying to these people, yet it is good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. When Paul would go from town to town and he would start new churches by leading people to Christ, he never asked for any money. He was a tent maker. He was bivocational is the term. He would make tents. He would sell the tents. He would live on the profit that he would make from the tents. And he would lead people to Christ and begin churches while he was there. But there were times in which he would be somewhere and he'd make tents. Nobody wanted to buy them. He would maybe not have the funds to buy the materials to make the tent. There were different moments in which he went through hardship and difficulty and he couldn't make ends meet and he had no way to do it. And when this church, this group of people in Philippi heard of it, they would send him money. They would give Paul money. They would help him out. And they did it over and over and over and over and over again. So listen to what he says. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not only, not that I am looking for a gift, but I, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more, and I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering as acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now, what is he talking about there? What had happened to Paul? He's writing this, and he's in prison. He is a prisoner, and only because he had preached the gospel, he had been arrested for doing it, and put in a prison in Rome. And now he has no way to make tents, no way to make any money whatsoever. Well, you say, well, he's in prison. He gets three square meals a day. What else did he need? No, he didn't. They only fed their prisoners in that Roman dungeon. They only fed them enough to keep body and soul together. Not enough calories, and they would go thinner and thinner. And so the only way they could ever get enough food to eat was somebody else from the outside would bring food in and give it to that person. This is a family member, a friend. And when they needed clothing, their clothes had worn out or cold winter was coming and they were going to freeze to death in that prison cell. They weren't given clothes then in first century prisons. They had to have somebody from outside bring new clothes to them. And Paul had no source of any income. And these Philippians, when they heard it, gave to Epaphroditus, one of Paul's associates, and said, go take this to Paul. We want to make sure while he's in prison, he's taken care of. Now, Paul has received this, and he writes this letter back to them. And in this letter, he says in verse 19, my God will now. The word now is not in the verse, but it's implied. My God will now meet all your needs. You've met mine. You've cared for me. And I want you to know my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is making this statement. God's financial blessings are coming for these people and coming for us because we first give sacrificially to God and others. Did you know Jesus taught this very thing? In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, Give, and it'll be given back to you. Good measure 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall others give to you. I will lead them to do it. I'll touch their heart and they will give to you to meet your need. I will get you the raise. I'll get you the promotion. I will intersect in your life in some way. You give and others will give to you. I'll make sure of it. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall they give to your lap? For with what measure you measure out to others in meeting their needs, that measure will be measured back to you. Here's the idea. The key to getting is first giving. Pastor Juan Carlos is our, is our Spanish pastor and he showed me this video. I gotta show it to you. It is a video of some kids in some low income backgrounds, their family doesn't have a lot of money, who are presented an opportunity for a, for a gift. And I want you to see what choice they made. Watch this video. This year for Christmas, what are you hoping to get? A computer. Big, giant Barbie house. A trophy case. Xbox 360. Minecraft Legos. What do you think your mom or dad want for Christmas? My mom would probably want a ring. She's never really had a ring. Jewelry. She loves jewelry. A new TV. Like watches. So, you actually did buy an Xbox 360. What in the world? I wanted this! Okay, you you really got this for me? A new laptop. Wow! And it's a necklace! So we also bought a necklace because you said you also wanted to get a necklace for your mom or your auntie. The catch is that you can either get a gift for yourself huh? or you can pick a gift for your mom and dad. I need you to pick one. Now, now before you answer, Oh, I bet that's hard. Is that a really hard question? Mm-hmm. What gift do you pick? I choose this. I gotta go with the ring. What gift do you pick? That one. That one. That dress. I'll choose this for my mom. I'll choose this one. It's a really tough question. I'll but give him this. You already know? Tell me why. Because Legos don't matter. Lego, your family matters. Not Legos, not toys, your family. So it's either family or Legos and I choose family. I get gifts every year from my family and my mom don't get anything. If I get a laptop, my mom will get something. She helps me when I'm sick. She helps me with my homework. She gave me a house to live in. They look out for me and do stuff for me, so I need to give back to them. Now I have the opportunity to give them something. Because you actually picked the gift for your family, you're actually gonna go home with both. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm feeling really happy and Why? thankful. Just happy, thankful. For your family, for what? My family, everything. You did make his decision, actually. And oh he goodness. picked the Pandora Charms. Oh, that is... You're gonna make me cry. So what are you putting in the game? In your room. Oh, it's for me? Oh, it's for you. Thanks, guys. I was going to. Oh, wow. 
this is what Jesus is actually teaching. Did you know that right at 90% of the children that went through that picked the gift for their family, not for themselves? Jesus was trying to say to us, I know you want things, but there are other people that have need and I'm asking you to give to them. And you give and it'll be given back to you. There's principles that he's actually communicating. First of all, this involves everybody. I know that maybe there are some young couples that are saying to yourself right now, hey, I'll give to God one day, but it's not now. We need everything. We're just getting started. Are we, we've got kids and I, 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 won't, I don't have anything to, I can give to somebody else. I got, it's gotta be for me. One day, in 10 years or so, when I'm middle-aged, maybe I'll have something that I can give to somebody else. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He included you. And by the way, includes every teenager, includes every child. Give, and it'll be given back to you. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation, maybe. It's a command. And he is saying that it is to be our way of life. Not a one-time moment in our life, but it is to be who we are, a way of life. It is to be a change inside of us. God built an entire universe with the idea of receiving and giving and receiving and giving. It is to be a natural way of living. And God blesses that response. I mean, really, it's all over creation, all over nature. Think about this, a tree. There is a tree and the tree is taking in nutrients from the soil and sunlight and, and uh, atmosphere and water. And what happens? The tree then gives back, gives oxygen back and we breathe that oxygen and that's how we get the oxygen. The trees give out oxygen. They, they put nutrients back into the soil. Parts of the tree fall off and it gets mingled in and now new nutrients have been restored because of the tree. And the truth is, every part of nature, you can make that case. The sun has been given so much power, so much fuel and energy, and it spews out that, that fuel, that energy and the sunlight and, and the warmth and what it gives to us as sun vitamin D and all that other stuff. What happens to us is that you and I are alive only because the sun shines. We're only alive because of the effect of the sun in our bodies and in our lives. God built an entire creation that receives from him, gives back to others, receives and gives back. And God is saying, this is how I want it to be for you as well. Our salvation is a result of us first receiving and then giving back. There is a guy named Rhett Shafet, and he has a 12-year-old daughter. Maybe she's 13 by now. It's been, I don't know, six, eight months, 10 months since this happened. But she had a, a, a liver disease that was going to take her life, and she was desperate for a donor, a, a liver, which meant someone would be dying so that she could live. But in the process of the studying of this, they came to a realization, wait a minute, 
You don't have to have a whole liver donated. You can have a part of a liver that's healthy and it will help your liver overcome this issue. And now we just need someone who'll donate part of their liver. And it was a perfect match with her father. And when he was presented the idea, he didn't even blink. Absolutely, let's get started right now. And he donated part of his liver to her. And now it's been eight, 10, 12 months since. And she is 13 probably now. And she is healthy and jumping and and living life because of the donation of her father. But your heavenly father, your heavenly father gave more than a liver, more than a part of a liver. He took the greatest gift that he could possibly give to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the whole concept. God gave to us. Now we must respond in giving back to him. Yes, I received the gift. I commit my heart. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed, and it's not a mental ascent, it's a belief to the point of commitment, I commit my heart to Christ. You are saved by the grace of almighty God. It is offering the gift, it's receiving the gift. It's giving back your commitment to him. All of creation, even our relationship with God is that. But I'm gonna tell you, every relationship we have in our life Every relationship is based upon giving, upon receiving and giving and back and forth. That's how the relationship actually flourishes. So let's think about it a moment. Marriage, I don't know how many weddings I've done in my life. And pretty much all of them, maybe not all, but pretty much all of them, I have asked this question as I've talked to this couple that is about to get married. Tell me why you want to be married. Most of the time, not all the times, but most of the time, here's what I get back. Because she makes me feel so good. She makes me laugh. I love being around her. Because he meets my needs. And the answer is almost, not 100%, but almost, I'm getting married to this person because of what I get from this person. But what happens when she doesn't make you laugh? What happens when he's not meeting your needs? What happens when you're not getting what you wanted to get from this this marriage? What happens now? Well, we just divorce this person and we go get another person. Well, I'm gonna tell you the other person. They, it may be a different thing that they do wrong, but the other person, you're gonna be right back in the exact same spot with the next marriage and the next marriage and the next marriage. The reason God wanted us to marry was not so what someone else could do for us. The actual reason is so that we could do something for someone else. I wanna marry her because I think I am uniquely chosen to meet her needs. I love her. I, I think she's the most wonderful woman in the world and I wanna meet her needs. I love him. I wanna meet his needs. I, I, I wanna be the one that is close to him and part of his life. And I wanna be the person that shares his life. This is not semantics, it's the whole idea of marriage. God intended marriage to be two people giving themselves away to meet the need of someone else. 
I've shared this story with you before, but I'm gonna do it again. This, this, because it fits so well here. Here is this woman and she is so fed up with him and she wants to divorce him, but she doesn't wanna just divorce him. She wants to hurt him while she's going out the door. So she goes to a marriage counselor. This is a real story. This is not made up. She goes to a marriage counselor and she says to him, I'm coming to you not because I want you to help my marriage. I want you to show me how I can hurt him in the worst way possible. And I'm coming for counseling. Now this guy, this counselor, blown away by this request, but pretty sharp guy because he said to her, I'll tell you, I think I've got a plan for you. Here's how you do it. You go and meet every need of his life. You've been with him all this time. You know what he wants, what he's asked from you. You go meet. She said, I don't want to do that. I want to hurt him. He said, no, no, hear me out. You go and meet every need of his life. I mean, every day you just are trying to figure out how can I bless you and love you and meet your needs. And then when you do it, it will turn his heart. He will love you so much. He will be so grateful to you for all the things you're doing. And when he turns around and begins to do that for you, then divorce him right then and there. And you will hurt him so deeply. She said, I love this idea. So she did it. She went out, set the next appointment when she'd come back and do the report, and then she went out and did it. I mean, she put everything she had into it, meeting every need he had. She knew all of his complaints, meeting all those complaints, doing everything, and it happened. It turned his heart. He began to meet her needs and love her and do for her, and, and she had him right where she wanted him. Well, her appointment came up. She went and saw the counselor and he said, okay, let's divorce him right now. She said, divorce him. I love him more right now than I've ever loved him in my life. I want to live the rest of my life with him. I don't want to divorce him. And I'm telling you this. Men, it is time to, to, to watch less sports. I know I'm hitting you where it hurts. I'm, it's time to watch less sports. Get off the video games for crying out loud. You're a grown-up, and it's time to stop doing stuff that you're doing that is ignoring her, and it's time to say, you are the most important relationship in my life, and I am gonna bless you. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna meet your needs. You matter to me, and I want you in my life. And I'm going to tell you, when you do that, it'll turn her heart and she'll begin to do the same with you. It's two people giving themselves away. What's the principle? The principle is that marriage is marriage works. When two people are not thinking of themselves, they're thinking of the other and they are striving to meet the other person's needs. And it happens in every relationship. What I'm saying is God created a universe that is based upon receiving and giving and receiving back and giving and receiving back and giving. This passage of scripture is saying the same, but in the context of the passage, it's talking about our finances. So in just a few minutes, let me touch on what he is saying. He is saying we express our faith in God's provision by first giving to him giving to God and others. The NIV translation puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 16, verse two. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made. What is he talking about? Paul is saying, 
Every week you give back to God a portion of what God gives you. You know why? Because they got paid every day, not every week or every two weeks. They got paid every day. They'd go to work, they'd get paid at the end of the day. If they got another job the next day, they would then go and they'd get paid at the end of that day and every day. And maybe they work five or six days a week. They got paid every single day. He is saying, save up a portion of that which you get. And then when you come on the first day of the week, where are they? They are at church. When you come to church, give in a proportion of what you received. The Bible teaches that our giving is to be habitual, not hit or miss, or maybe I will this time, not this next time. It is to be habitual. And the Bible teaches that our giving should begin with a percentage of what God has given to us. See how he puts it? 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. All he is using is a term that means proportionate. You get more, you give more back. You get less, you put, you give less back. The whole idea of proportionate is understood as percentage. And this is what the Bible teaches from all across the word in Malachi 3. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. Yet you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. And you're under a curse. The whole nation of you because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you don't have room enough for it. God says, I will bless you, but only if after I've blessed you, you bless me back. You give back and then I'll give you more and I will keep blessing you. But it is this whole thing of giving and receiving and giving back and receiving, and it is that whole thing. And God is saying, I see. Giving to God is to be habitual and begin with a tithe, but not in there. That's why tithes and offerings. Sometimes we give above our tithe. We, we did, we're doing that together with giving extra money for our youth camp. And we did that. It's sometimes that we give more than a tithe because there are as a need and we help meet the need. And notice what Ian says. When we fulfill God's condition toward others, God fulfills his promise toward us. Notice how he puts it. My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Notice how Paul puts it, I love it. It's a personal God who supplies our needs. My God, God sees and God, my God will meet your need. Our heavenly father assumes responsibility for his children's needs. Second, God promises to meet every need of our life. He didn't say every want. Good grief, parents understand you can't give kids everything they want. It wouldn't even be healthy for them. It'd be bad for them. Well, God in the same way says, I'm not gonna give you everything you want. You get everything you want, you, you can't even believe how self-centered you'll become. You can't even believe what damage it will do to your life to have too much. But I will meet your needs. And you look at your own life, I look at mine. He's given us a lot more than just our needs. 
He is lavished on us. He knows when to stop, but he lavishes on us. He is so good. He's so good to us. God has enough to meet our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Listen, to win in life, to win in life, there has to be this change that happens in the way we think, in the attitudes of our life, and how we conduct ourselves. There has to be a change. And one of the aspects of winning is giving. Because what happens in giving is that we become less self-centered and more open to the needs of other people, more open to God. And this is God's way of helping us to look out instead of just in, oh, I gotta go buy something else, gotta go buy something else. We don't even need it. And it sits. And he is saying, no, I want you to look beyond you. The needs of others and the need of God in reaching the world. He is saying, I want you to see beyond you. And when you do winning, it'll change you. It will change you. For all of you who are watching online, I'm gonna have a word of prayer. And after I do, I'm gonna ask you, would you go to the virtual Next Step Center? You wanna to talk to a minister about the things we've talked about? Would you like to come to know Christ as your savior? There is a virtual on a Next Step Center online. And when you tap into that, it's a real person live talking to you and answering your questions and helping you come to know Christ as Savior and understand the next step. But in all of our four campuses, there is a real Next Step Center tangible. And I wanna encourage you, go to the Next Step Center, talk to one of our ministers on any of our campuses. This could be the day. This could be today of turning your life around if you would take this Bible seriously. And I'm asking you to do it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we acknowledge, oh God, we need you. And Lord, sometimes in life, what we don't even realize is that we're drifting away. And we're walking, drifting away from your word and walking, drifting away from obedience. And, and there is a day that we suffer. And I'm asking, Father, would you move in our hearts and bring us back to obedience in how we're to live our life in every aspect, this whole series. And we give permission for the Holy Spirit to begin to change us and how we act and how we react and what we do. And oh God, we pray you would turn our life into winning. Coming back to you and I pray for those Lord in this room and on all of our campuses that don't know Jesus and online that this will be a day of salvation that they would give their heart to Christ and I pray this in Jesus name amen